Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The hell, man? What's going on with this? Confused by technology? Yes, I'm confused by technology. Hey, there. Hey, there. Hey, there. Oh, God. Oh, God. Ah! Echo. Ah! Ah! Stop it. Make it stop. First down. Stepping through a tackle in the backfield. It's Knox, and he's off to the races. DJ Knox in for the touchdown. Wanted to flee flipper. Oh, Jones back to Blau, and he's got Zico all alone. Zico inside the 20 and caught at the 11-yard line by Lamar Jackson. Purdue on the move, first and 10 at the 14-yard line. A little stutter step and some room to run for DJ Knox. Oh, and Knox hurtling for the end zone, but he stopped out of bounds just short. Blau on play action. Open over the middle, it's Hopkins, and Hopkins will walk in for the touchdown. Wow. Quick slant, there's Rondale Moore, and Moore spins out of tackle, makes another man miss. Rondale Moore, what a play. 42-28, the final over Nebraska. The Huskers now 0-4 in the first year under Scott Frost, Jeff Brom's squad, now 2-3. Back-to-back wins against Boston College and Nebraska Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hammer and Ales podcast. Yes, we're a couple days late from our usual Sunday night recording, dropping it on Monday, but it's a bye week. We deserve a break as well. And so we've been taking it easy and scouting. We've been recruiting some young, hungry bloggers that are out there to take over for us when we graduate. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you trying to replace me, Travis? Looking at it this way, it'll be like a pyramid scheme. You you have underlings that do all the work for you, but you still get paid. 
I mean, that's why we have Kyle. Yeah, that is Kyle's only function, I thought. <laughs> and and now he's only writing like an article a week. So what is his purpose anyway? I think he's just trying to get money for the wedding that he didn't invite us to. Yes, exactly. Kyle is uh, taking the bye week to go and get married this weekend. Which oh, Jesus. He does get points for scheduling the wedding during the bye week, but uh, minus points for score for scheduling a wedding during college football season because even even bye weeks are important to just sit and watch as many games as possible. But no, he's got to get married. Jeez, it's okay. He doesn't listen to these podcasts anyway. I know that's. I think yes. Last week we talked about Casey. I think like this week we can talk about Kyle. Yeah, I think Ledman's the only one who on our staff that actually listens to our own podcast, which is a little sad. And he listens to them like first thing in the morning, like 5 a.m., I think. It's yeah. possible that's because the only Purdue sports information he gets comes from our podcast. <laughs> I mean, what other Purdue podcasts are out there, right? Nobody else does one. I, I can't think of any other group that does one. No. We are the most handsome podcasters. All America. right. I'm not going to go that far because I don't want to get a lawsuit from Boiled Sports. <laughs> Ooh, what? <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about now, Juan. Anyway, so with us tonight, we have, of course, as you can hear, Juan and Drew. Juan uh, still living it up in Southern California and Drew living it up in the little apple of Manhattan, Kansas. And we are talking to start off tonight, Purdue's first ever win in Lincoln, Nebraska, as the Weathermakers. Oh, son of a. Sorry about that. Cubs just gave up a double to start the uh, fourth inning. But anyway. So <laughs> typical Cubs. Yeah. Anyway, we are talking Purdue's first ever win at Nebraska as the Boilermakers won 42-28. And honestly, I think the most impressive thing was the offense is just rolling right now. We rank 13th nationally in total offense in terms of yardage. We are struggling a bit in terms of points scored as we are down, way down, at uh, 65th at only 31 points a game. But I, I think it was a good sign that we finally cracked 40 points, which that seemed to be the uh, goal of the Brom fence is to hit 40 regularly his teams at Western Kentucky would break 40 without a sweat and this was only the second time we've seen Purdue go over 40 with Jeff Brom so what do you guys think about uh, the offense I said this kind of after the Missouri game but I think the Missouri game Boston College in this game as well as the last three or four games at the end of the season after Blau got injured really shows that this offense is meant to be around one quarterback only. And I think that's just been a huge... Uh, shift here because we saw that as well last year uh, when Sindelar took over. Granted, he struggled in a Northwestern game, but then go on the road to Iowa and beat them after they, well, they, they pretty much used up all their resources against Ohio State anyway. You know, score over 30 or so points against Indiana and then you know, 38 points again against Arizona. Now we're seeing the same thing here with 37 against Missouri, 30-something against Boston College, and then 42 on the road in Nebraska. So really, I think we're starting to see how well this offense can thrive under just one quarterback and see the offense as they get set. Um, and really just, you know, it's a full-fledged attack. We saw a really good running game behind DJ Knox, um, and then as well as some aerial attacks with uh, some of the tight ends as well. And, you know, Rondale Moore, even when he loses yards, it's some how impressive <laughs> i think one of the things that stands out to me is this offense still has room to clean things up 
because it's leaving points on the field in a lot of places. Uh, and Nebraska was probably its most complete game it's played to that because we left some points on the field, obviously, against Boston College with a missed short field goal. And I think we had some other drives that ended in. We had at least one turnover, I know. And Missouri, we, we struggled. Um, I think we ended up with, what, three field goals in that one where we just couldn't get in the end zone out of the red zone. So it, it just seems like the offense is getting closer and closer. But like you mentioned, it's moving better under just one quarterback. And it seems like Blau has seized that and he's going to be the guy going forward yeah obviously Blau has sort of staked his claim to this job and barring injury he's definitely the uh the guy going forward I would like to point out that the offensive line I feel like is maybe the biggest improvement on the team because they were hot trash the first couple games like we were getting smoked off the edge by like two-star dudes from eastern michigan and uh i feel like we've uh, sort of shored that up we've uh Payne evans got healthy which was very helpful and that allowed us to bump mccann outside to tackle and uh that right side of the line has uh looked much better and the our quarterbacks actually getting some time to throw the ball instead of just, you know, catching the snap and ducking. Kudos to the offensive line. I feel like that's one of the big reasons why we are putting up the points we are now. And and you look at the passing game, we're 15th nationally at 320 yards a game. In terms of raw passing yardage, we're actually ninth at uh, 1,600 yards a game. And you got to think that that's right where Brom wants it. And even the running game isn't totally for gotten it's not like we're just chucking the ball everywhere i think knox and jones have done a good job of playing off of each other they didn't they haven't had quite the game together like they did against eastern michigan but they were able to get some really tough yards and then of course knox had the big home run the 42 yard run for our first score against uh nebraska on saturday too yeah, like, he's gotten faster, and it's super weird. I don't understand. Like, I feel like he is at least, like, a step faster than he has been his entire career this year. Like, a lot of times, Knox would break through that first line, you know, break through the defensive line and have an angle outrun a cornerback and get caught. But uh, he's looking spry. I don't know. Maybe he's a little further away from that knee injury as a, as a sophomore. Uh, but he's looking as fast and athletic as I think I've seen him. Purdue. Well, and he's definitely probably beefed up a, a bit too because, you know, beforehand DJ Knox was like just our speedy runner where just give him an opening and he can go. And if you needed someone to like bury through the offensive line, you would put Jones in there. But now you can see DJ Knox just running through people with no problem and almost had that leaping touchdown at the beginning of the game. When, uh, when I went to the fan day with my son and we were getting the posters signed by everybody on the team and whatnot we got to the running backs and knox is just he's listed at 57 210 uh, he does not have an ounce of fat on him whatsoever he is five he is 210 pounds of just solid muscle and it, i mean it was just impressive to see him up close and i'm like i wouldn't want to try and tackle him one-on-one yeah i mean knox is like poured into that tiny little frame he's a he's an impressive little runner now uh, he still doesn't have great, great top end speed, but it's it's good enough as you saw against Nebraska. And yeah, he's this. There's nothing to hit when he gets low. He's just like shoulder pads and ankles, and that's like 
the only target you have. And uh, he's been able to uh, take advantage of that hard running style. And he's hard to find behind our line, too. We've got some big, you know, some pretty tall, especially out when we get outside. Our, both our tackles are really tall. At 5'7", he's able to sort of hide in behind there and then find the hole and hit it. I mean, he literally did that in the bowl game when yeah. we faked the yeah. knee and Knox was hiding behind the line and bolted <laughs> with the ball. He can yeah. literally hide behind the line. We've seen this before. We should do yeah, that again. No, I, 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 he's, I feel like he's really hard to find. The Nebraska game was really another one where – a lot of guys got involved with the offense. Um, I thought Bryson Hopkins had one of his best games, really. He had the uh, big 51-yard catch, and I think that one came right as Nebraska was making a bit of a run. They had a ton of momentum, and he just kind of gets out and gets lost behind the defense, and Blau was able to find him, and it set up another... Uh, I think that set up the... I think that set up Knox's second touchdown there in the third quarter. And then uh, another guy that's really impressed me, and it was nice to see him get the ball, was... Uh, Horvath, the uh, the, uh, walk-on fullback, he's done an excellent job of opening some holes for Knox and for Jones, especially in short yardage. And he was able to sneak out of the backfield and had two catches for 28 yards. Yeah, we have an interesting little package for him that I see us run. I saw us run against uh, Boston College, too, where we use him a lot as a pass catcher out of the backfield when he comes in as well. A lot of times when he's back there as a single back uh, next to Blau, he's going out into the pass pattern, which is interesting, uh, but... uh I guess he must have the best hands in the, uh, you know, the running back core uh, because that appears to be how Brom wants to use him uh, in the passing game. It's just nice to have that versatility too, especially when worship is sidelined still with his knee injury. Somebody was asking in the comments today, you know, what, what worship status was. I doubt we're going to see him this year. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I hear he was having a hard time with his rehab and gained, gained some weight he needed to lose. I think he's a, a big guy anyway way when you can't move around very much and you all you have to do is sit in your room and watch tv and you know eat ice cream things don't go well so i think uh i think we got richie on a diet and uh, he's gonna get that knee healthy and come back next year and beast it up yeah because i think him with him and fuller next year we've got a pretty good uh one-two punch really yeah no i i feel like our running back and then throwing Horvath in that uh group as well next year uh will be will be fine now uh, the other the other downside there was the defense on Saturday. Pretty solid first half. Uh, aside from the opening drive. But the second half, as you guys mentioned before we started really recording here, Nebraska was just running down the field on us. And Martinez and Ozigbo both just, I mean, that's really what most of their offense was. And then every once in a while they would throw it to Spielman. But they had us on our heels for a, for about three straight drives there in the second half. I'm not going to lie. I was a little concerned when Nebraska got that opening drive because they had not scored on their opening drive all season. Like, let like I think we mentioned this in the last podcast, they were down like 14 nothing, 17 nothing, and 46 nothing in their previous games. And so when they scored on an opening drive, I'm just like, uh oh, this this can't be good. But then we kind of bottled them up the rest of the half. I mean, granted, on the next drive they turned it over on downs and Purdue territory as well. So that was a but, huge play. That was. I think that really kind of 
killed them off in that game. But then I remember, too, I was mentioning this uh, before we started officially recording, was that we had that weird kickoff where we lined up offsides and pooched it, and Nebraska basically got the ball right in. They started to drive right in Purdue territory, and that really seemed to give them the momentum uh, to start getting those scoring drives in the second half as well. Yeah, after both teams traded punts to start the second half, we got a touchdown on our second drive of the second half to make it 27-7, and that was the start of six consecutive possessions that ended in touchdowns. So we traded touchdowns for six straight drives, and they weren't short drives, too. It was 51 for us, 53 for them, 90 for us, 69 for them, 75 for us, 75 for them. So it was just... It was just a madhouse there, and uh, a couple of their drives, like one drive was a minute, or yeah, one drive was two minutes and two seconds, one was 47 seconds, and one was a minute 52, so basically they had three touchdowns in six minutes there. Yeah, no, they, we couldn't stop the read option, and what they were, what they were doing wasn't super complicated either, we just had no answer for it, they were just blocking down on our defensive tackles, and then optioning off our defensive end, or that linebacker defensive end he rarely touched the quarterback or the running back as they ran by and that's i mean then the quarterback or the running back of zigbo or martinez just had like a full head of steam going after our linebackers as they weren't they weren't facing any sort of uh, adversity to get across the line of scrimmage. And I know Spielman had a good day, too. I mean, he was just catching everything in sight. Uh, he, he was about the only one that Martinez was able to throw to. Yeah, we did a good job of not letting him bust anything, though. I feel like that was really the key to Nebraska. We just, like, kept them on the field long enough for them to F up because that's how most of their drives that didn't end in touchdowns ended with them doing something stupid. Another key play, I thought, was uh, right before halftime when we're facing that third and 14 backed up in in uh, our own territory and Blau is able to get outside and he gets a 16-yard run. Uh, you just don't see that very often, but it was, uh, it was a great play by Blau. I think he had another one where he converted a third and 12 with his feet and that's it, it led to a field goal for us there and that was really big, I think, getting that field goal before halftime and not letting them get the ball back and drive honest where they could have made it a one possession game blau knows how to run over the corn huskers because i remember his freshman year uh when purdue beat nebraska in 2015 he had like a 50 yard touchdown on the ground mm-hmm. as well and then uh last year i think he also had another rushing touchdown or so so i think i get the feeling that uh some corn husker fans are going to be happy not to see blau anymore when he graduates at the end of the season it, it reminds me a bit of what drew Brees did to minnesota back in the day and Brees was obviously good but he seemed to especially torment Minnesota. I think he had like three 500-yard games against him. And uh, Mason, Glenn Mason, who was their coach at the time, was like, I am glad we're done facing this guy. I'm just done with him. And then they got Brandon Hans. <laughs> Glenn Mason sounds like a smart man. Uh, so moving on, we obviously have a bye this week, and uh, I kind of feel bad for Nebraska losing their eighth straight game for the first time ever. So at least we get to be part of their illustrious history that way. I don't uh, feel bad. Yeah, in a way, I don't feel bad because we were all supposed to tremble at the feet of Frost, and he's making some absolutely Hazelian comments that I'm like, oh, you poor bastards. <laughs> 
like when when he said that they were just uh, really close on a couple of plays against Michigan and oh they had a really good week of practice. And I'm like, you guys lost by what was it? 52 to seven that they lost well, in Michigan. Well, And so when he was coach at UCF, they played at Michigan his first season there as well. And they lost like 51 to 14. And they were they were down like 31 nothing to start off the game, too. And he decided to comment that they still out hit Michigan. And apparently the Michigan coaches and players use that as bulletin board material going into this game or going into their their game. And then, of course, he mentions about Purdue being a more of a winnable game and use that as well against him. So yeah, maybe Frost should learn to keep his mouth shut a little bit, even though I, gr- I granted I understand that maybe we took the winnable game thing out of context, but better not give us a chance to take something out of context. See, I don't think we took the I, I think we did take it a little bit out of context, mostly because, I mean, it was a winnable game. We were one in three coming in. What What is he supposed to expect? Oh, God, we're not going to be Purdue. We lost Eastern Michigan for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, Oh, yeah, I know. It was just too easy, though. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand the players being upset, but also just the, all right, guys, it's not like we're Alabama or anything, okay? Besides, Saban's scared. Excuse- anyway. Exactly. We've been Saban three times in a row. And yeah, I mean. So technically we're better than Alabama by that. That's a, that's an undeniable fact. And Joe Tiller went to his grave with a three-game winning streak over Saban, and Saban will never get to avenge that, ever. Okay. When Tiller died, I remember when Tiller died, you know, a year ago this past Sunday, and Saban, you know, mentioned that in the press conference. You could tell Saban was still bitter. <laughs> about those losses like he was trying to respect joe taylor but also was like holding back rage (laughs) knowing that he will never get revenge (laughs) so moving forward we get illinois next i've got to say illinois has not been as bad as i had originally thought they were going to be that's not to say that they are particularly good they're just not as bad as i thought they would be if that makes sense yeah, no, Illinois' offense is better than probably people expected it to be, and it's kind of the offense that we struggle containing. Uh, they've got a mobile quarterback in MJ Rivers, and they've got two running backs that are averaging like seven yards or seven or eight yards a carry. I think they both have uh, exactly 43 carries on the year. But, I mean, this is against... I mean, against Penn State, their running back, Reggie Corbin, had 11 carries for 87 yards and a touchdown. So it's not like that you're putting up uh, bad stats against uh, or good stats against bad teams, too. They pushed Penn State, so I'm a little concerned about Illinois. No, they, they pushed Penn State for exactly two and a half quarters, <laughs> and then Penn State beat the brakes off of them. They were actually leading Penn State 24-21 with about 10 minutes to go in the third quarter, and then gave up 42 unanswered points, which is, it was a lot like that Penn State game from uh, two years ago where Purdue was, I believe, tied with them in halftime and then gave up just an ungodly amount of second half points. Uh, but you you look at the rest of their schedule, they have done pretty well. Uh, they had a rough time against Kent State, but they still won. They beat their FCS opponent. You look at their uh, their third non-conference game was a seven-point loss to, or a six-point loss to South Florida in a game that they led 19-7 to going into the fourth quarter. So they can play with some pretty good teams out there. So I don't think it's the automatic win that a lot of us were thinking about when the season started. 
I mean, they are actually pretty close, and they get Rutgers this week, a ga- another game that they should win. You know, suddenly they're sitting at three wins, looking about, looking at where can they get three more to get to a surprise bowl game with Minnesota and Maryland and Nebraska and a struggling Northwestern also still on the schedule after this. Yeah, no, Illinois, if Illinois beats Rutgers, they will have a lot of momentum. And uh, like you said, that will be a, a game that their coaches stress uh, as a win if they want to uh, get to a bowl game. I think Purdue is one of the the winnable games as far as they have similar talent. I think what you saw against Penn State is eventually Penn State's superior talent wore Illinois down. But we're not, Illinois is not that much more talented than we are. I mean, Illinois has similar talent recruiting-wise recently. So we're not going to be able to blow them off field, especially with our defense. Um, so I think it will be an interesting game. Uh, the the other interesting factor coming into this game is Purdue trails the all-time series with the Illini 44-43-6. and six. Oh, Yes, we are one game behind them, and we can officially tie it, tie the all-time series for the first time since 1904. <laughs> 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 so uh, a lot of history there and would be nice obviously we have won two in a row in the series it is the only streak of more than one game that we have active over a big 10 opponent right now and illinois is one of those teams that over the last two decades even though they've led the all-time series we've kind of dominated them and we've been able to uh hold uh, we've been able to win quite a few since 94 i'm seeing let's see we are 13 and 5 against them in the last 18 meetings and a couple of those were some uh, surprise bcs teams by the illini i know one of them was a very questionable overtime game back in 2002 but uh this has been a game that you know while purdue has struggled we've been able to hold more than hold our own and it's kind of been an opponent we've dominated and you know the other factor is for crying out loud hazel won there twice <laughs> i mean hazel won more big 10 games in champagne than he did in in west lafayette yeah, and I say I don't know what else to add up to that. <laughs> I really don't. I'm thinking, and I'm just like, what to add? Uh, other than, yeah, I do think that yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue goes in favored by like a touchdown or so. But I would expect Illinois to at least cover and make it a close game. Yeah, and uh, they don't have a ton of, uh, they don't have much of a passing game. They have 662 yards passing on the season through four games, which is not a lot. <laughs> You're looking about 160 yards a game, four touchdown passes between three quarterbacks and two interceptions. Uh, But like you mentioned, they do have a couple of pretty good running backs and they have a good ground game. So I think this is a game where you dare the freshman quarterback to beat you through the air. And I mean, you guys mentioned, too, that, you know, Illinois is circling this game. as like we need to win this in order to make it to a bowl game. But I mean. Same thing goes for Purdue. They have to win mm-hmm. against Illinois as well. They cannot overlook them. And, you know, because this is a trap game for us with Ohio State coming in the week after. Um, even though probably Ohio State will beat a senseless and all that, perhaps. Still got to focus on that game. And, you know, hopefully this bye week will allow them to, you know, regroup and focus up a little bit before heading into Champagne. No, absolutely. And you, as you mentioned, we do need it for a bowl game. We already dropped the one game that everybody expected we would get. And so we're probably going to have to get another one, you know, that we, uh, that's a bit of a surprise, say, against Iowa or at Michigan State or at home against Wisconsin. But, you know, I, I just don't see us making a bowl game without beating the Illini. It's just, and, and you also have 
the mental factor of recovering from 0 and 3 to get to the midway point of the season at 3 and 0 or 3 and 3 that would be a nice recovery really and i i think that would be a big big boost win or lose against ohio state most likely a loss yeah no this is if purdue wants to go to a bowl game they have to win this game i don't think there's a road forward you mentioned that in my article there's not a road forward without illinois like you've got you've got to have this win if you don't get this win it means you're gonna have to beat michigan state and iowa and indiana minnesota can't remember the other and iowa and i don't that's not gonna happen if you look at the s p numbers it gives us our best shot against illinois and minnesota uh, we're pretty much dead even with Indiana. They're like one spot ahead of us in the S&P. And then the most likely candidate for the sixth win would be Iowa, mostly because we'd be playing them at home. This team has to beat Illinois or they're not going to go to a bowl game. If you can't eat, beat Illinois, you probably don't deserve to go to a bowl game anyway. So. True. Uh, so that is uh, just about all we've got to talk about football tonight. We also want to give a shout out to Tyler Trent, our man out there, just got awarded his Purdue degree rightfully and it's unfortunate he can't make it back to campus for the uh for the immediate future but i know that we are one of many people watching out for tyler and praying for him and just wanting to, to kick cancer's ass because well cancer sucks and it's it's just ridiculously unfortunate that this young man who has he's just got an incredible spirit with him and an incredible attitude of service and i'm just envious of how strong and just his his attitude that he has going forward is just amazing to watch so i just wanted to say tyler we are pulling for you we want you to beat this we want you to come back and like you said god willing you'll be at uh ross stadium here in a few weeks when we beat ohio state because that would be an amazing amazing night for him yeah totally do you guys have any final thoughts i'll let you go first one not really although i was excuse you drew Oh, that's that's my wife. She's opening a box. Oh, I'm just so used. To, I'm sorry, Drew. I'm so used to you making like the background noises and you know going to the bathroom while we're recording yeah. podcast. Yeah, no, I'm in my cave of solitude right now, and I'm gonna I'm not going to uh, relieve myself until after the podcast is finished. But as I was gonna say, no, the only thought I had was uh, I I was kind of curious about the Purdue Illinois uh, series and how we're one game behind them. And I was looking up here. Didn't realize from 1900 to about 20 years after that, Purdue only got one win against Illinois, uh, and Illinois had 14 wins. So from 1900 to 1919, that happened, and then there was an 11-year hiatus. And then when Purdue and Illinois played again, Purdue beat them 25 nothing. So. Just a little fun fact there. It is a fun little series, and I know that it's the second oldest of our three trophy rivalry games, and we we technically are defending a trophy. I know it's the one that everybody kind of forgets about. I believe we lead the trophy portion of the series, if I'm not, not mistaken. So. Yeah, we do lead the trophy series uh, 35 to 29 to 2. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it started in 1905 when when a group of Purdue students took the cannon to Champaign in, anticipate, in anticipation of firing to celebrate a Purdue victory. Although Purdue won 29 nothing, and, and mind you, that was the only Purdue win in the series up until like 1930. The Illinois fans took it over. And now it's just a glorified Monopoly piece. I think we should fire this beast off, honestly. It's a pretty small <laughs> cannon. We, we, should, we need to get an actual cannon again. I want an artillery piece they tow behind the bus. That'd be awesome. Just make it a tank at this point. <laughs> I mean, the schools are close enough. It'd be easy to transport. I mean, well, Purdue I just... and Illinois are the 
second closest schools within the Big Ten? Uh, let's see. Uh, I think there was a railway gun that the Germans developed in either World War One or World War Two that had enough of a range that it could possibly hit from West Lafayette to uh, to Champagne. That would be impressive. Terrifying, now, but impressive. Terrifying, please. Like we like we don't need artillery. Okay, okay, never mind. I was wrong. It only had a range of thirty miles, so it'd have to go a little bit further than that. God, Travis. What? I like military history. It's fun. Drew, way off. Way off. Disseminating. <laughs> he he got a he majored in communications. You know. I minored I in history. That count. Math is hard for Travis. Certainly is for me as well. That's why we have you on staff one. Yeah. In case any mathing needs to go down. This is why you guys have a doctor that does corrections. You're just like, nope, you're all wrong. You're all wrong. You know, and let me tell you how you're wrong. It's like that scene from Parks and Rec when Ben is like, oh, I don't have time to tell you that how wrong you are. Actually, no, it's going to bother me. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay, so we would need a little bit more distance on the uh, railway gun here because I just did 50-yard line to 50-yard line as the crow flies, and it's 73.22 miles from Rossage <sighs> Stadium to Memorial Stadium in Champaign. Wow, that's really close, though. I didn't even realize it was that close. Well, that, that's as the crow flies, though. It's probably about 100 or so as you're actually driving it. No, only Michigan and Michigan State are closer when it comes to Big Ten schools. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is your, that's your geography lesson for the day. Is It is 73.22 miles from ross Stadium to Memorial Stadium in Champaign. Uh, Drew, do you have any final thoughts other than that? Do I have any final thoughts? I have a lot of thoughts, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> many great thoughts so since we're leaving it at that i think we can uh, call that a podcast and as always we thank you for listening we will probably not have a new one after the bye week here and then uh we'll record another one after we retain the canon hopefully and head into the next version of purdue harbor well uh, we will have uh the let's get weird sports podcast yes. next week perhaps yes, we uh little... expect to recording next let's get weird podcast next week and it will involve Illinois, uh, according to Paul Banks. So. Yes. He, he has an interesting topic involving the Illini, which I was unaware of. And uh, you'll just have to listen when it comes out. Damn it, not another gap double. Are you kidding me? Sorry. <laughs> Typical Cubs. As we're recording this, the Cubs are down one nothing, and their offense is showing absolutely no interest in wanting to play postseason baseball. Oh my God! You guys are only down one nothing. Oh, the humanity! They scored one run yesterday, and I don't think they've had a runner past first base today. So I feel like Cubs fans feel even more persecuted, like after they won a World Series. I'm not persecuted. I I could die a happy man that it happened within my lifetime. Except but... you felt asleep during the extra innings yes yes i did and and now i'm just like you know what they win again that's great yeah it's it's mostly stress-free baseball you just just need to fall asleep during cubs games done (laughs) our our statistics is just uh n equals one well i don't know because you got to factor in when they play on the west coast like when they play the dodgers and giants but yeah at least when it comes to postseason play you know they seem to do pretty well when you're asleep true anyway so for drew and for juan and myself we thank you for listening here to the hammer and ales podcast and uh we will be back as we said next week with a let's get weird podcast with paul banks and then in two weeks with a canon celebration podcast after beating Illini. so hopefully don't you dare jinx it uh yeah probably i'm not gonna (laughs) wood 
So for everybody at Hammer and Rails, we thank you for listening and reading, and boiler up.